Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. The champions! Champions! That was as high as I could go. I can't really... This is the London is Blue podcast. Your home for the champions of England. Bringing all Chelsea fans together here, near, and far. Hosted by Dan, Nick, and Brandon. All right, we are back, Chelsea fans, with another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. You heard it right, Dan and Nick back on the pod with me, which means, thankfully, Dan, you're in a safe place away from Hurricane Irma. Is that right? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we're here in Tampa and the recording right around 1.30 Eastern time. So the hurricane has not yet made its way to Tampa, but we're nice and boarded up. Got sandbags aplenty and uh, plenty of snacks and water. So I think we'll we'll be set here. And uh, you know, I know uh, you and Nick have both uh, both been very uh, you know appreciative and uh, of the situation. And uh, you know, I think everyone of our listeners is in Florida. Just uh, thoughts and feelings and prayers with you guys. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Man of few words. Yeah, that's that's right. That's a new one. Uh, (laughs) That's me. (laughs) But we are also excited to have, let's see, revered, world-renowned, friend Mm. of the pod, football writer, Gary Hayes, back on with us. Welcome back, Gary. Thanks for having me, guys. uh, It's been a little while since we had you on, but I saw that you posted on Twitter. This was actually your first Chelsea match uh, as a fan in quite a while. How was that? Yeah, the Leicester game, it was the first one away since um, Chelsea beat West Ham 4-1, I think it was, in 2006, when Tevez scored for West Ham and Wright Phillips got two goals for Chelsea. That, that was my last game as a fan away from Stamford Bridge, So um, yeah, because normally I'm working them, so I had the opportunity to go as a fan, and I didn't really want to turn it down, just because you know when uh, Chelsea won the title after Batshuayi's goal last season, I was there working, and I got home and my wife said to me, how was it? And I was like, oh, the whole time I just wished I was in with the fans. You know, because she was like, oh, why are you a bit disappointed? I was like, yeah, it was great, but I'd rather have been in with the fans and, you know, having the fun and, you know, singing and everything else. So when the opportunity came up yesterday, I I didn't want to turn it down. So, um, yeah, I I was on a, a rare day off at a Chelsea game. 
You know, we finally got to go to our first match in general as fans last season, well, at least for myself and, and Nick, and I get it. I completely get why you want to be with the fans. Like, the atmosphere is so much fun, and uh, it was a good away day, it seemed like, from the televisions as we watched afar. Everyone seemed to be enjoying it. Yeah, Le- Leicester is a good away day as well, actually. Um, it always seems to be for Chelsea in the last few years that, or at least since they've been promoted back to the Premier League, that something's always happening when when they um, when they go out there because a few years ago Chelsea won the title effectively after beating them there two three one I think it was dropped they went one nil up and at half time and then Jose you know uh, rang the changes and Drogba came off the bench and changed the game and then the year after that was Hazard and his hip and then uh, you know Jose saying the players had betrayed him and then ended up getting sacked a, a couple of days later and then last season was um, in January obviously Diego and um, and he's uh, Chinese temptation so it, it was a weird one going up there we were expecting something bad to happen but in the end it was a, a good performance and a good three points yeah, it was a good way to turn it around. So anyways, for all of you out there on social media, I would suggest you go follow Gary Hayes on Twitter. Uh, that's at Gary Hayes with two R's. And is that the same for your Instagram as well? Uh, with a one at the end on my Instagram. But uh, I'd, I'd suggest people look at me more on Twitter if they want to follow me for football because um, a lot of my Instagram is just me at tennis matches or me doing some DIY, which I'm sure that uh, given my amount of followers, not many people find uh, that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're really here for, you know. We're really here for those home improvement tips. And, uh, well, know, I think we're going to launch him as the next uh, HGTV star. Is, is really right. the platform we're looking for here. Gary at home. Boom. There it is. <laughs> Just need to get my circular saw out right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we did have an iTunes review, Dan. So, uh, you know, I figured you'd be able to crank this one out real quick before we jump on over to the Leicester City review. Yeah, a little five-star review from Cush Monster 4200 Wow. Thank you for that wonderful review. And nice. uh, if you'd like a little drop a little five-star love on the podcast, uh, we'll, we'll shout you out, even if you have a... A very uh, suggestive iTunes review handle. We don't judge. We appreciate all of them. <laughs> so with that being said, a quick message from World Soccer Shop, like always. But don't worry, we've got a lot to talk about for this Lesser City review. Here we go. Hey, guys. Uh, World Soccer Shop, uh, I think, is coming out with the new Chelsea kit this week. The, the uh, announcement's been postponed a little bit, but I would assume before the... Uh, Uh, One of the Champions League matches coming up that the third kit, which is kind of like a camo gray slate look, is uh, is going to be coming out. You'll want to get it on World Soccer Shop. Use our referral link. um, Help the show out. It's a really sweet looking kit. And now a, a kind of a special announcement. All of the kits are fully customizable. So I believe outside of the long sleeve, which we get a lot of questions about, um, Nike is not coming out with those uh, this year, uh, that you'll be able to fully customize your kit with patches and et cetera. So go to worldsoccershop.com, support our show, out. All right, here we go. Leicester City is the match we are reviewing today. It was obviously in the Premier League matchup at the King Power Stadium, as Gary's talking about. A nice little away day there. In case you missed it, Blues 2, Foxes 1. Uh, Dan, we got a little bit to talk about when it comes to the lineup today. Uh, what did Conte throw out there? Yeah, you know, Courtois between the sticks, no-brainer. Azpilicueta, captain, next to Luis and Rudiger. Victor Moses, Conte, Bakayoko, Marcus Alonso, and then a little Pedro Fabregas Morata situation up front. So, you know, you kind of ran with this nice little Spanish contingent up at the front. Substitute wise, because bench prior to the window closing was everyone's big concern Mishi, Willian, Eden Hazard, Andres Christensen, Daniel Drinkwater, H2O, Willie mm-hmm. Caballero, and Costa, Zappa, Davide. Is that like two commas in that name, Dan? Like, no, no, that was more for dramatic effect for people All thinking right. that Costa was on the bench. All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I think that I did see a photo circling around that him and the other Spaniards went out for dinner, though, the other week. So it looks like he might actually be back in London. Scandal. Oh, my God. Um, you know, I think that real quick, 
obviously, you know, we had some changes to the lineup, but Nick really digging into the bench, right? That is the huge situation. We looked at our first couple matches. We had the likes of Fikeo Tomori, Kennedy, Musanda, even Kyle Scott made the bench on the first couple matches. This is a completely different looking bench and even team, I'd say, at this point. Wouldn't you? A lot more confidence, at least, compared to where we were before that window ended. Indeed. I mean, you have Caballero, you know, Zappacosta, new signing, uh, Danny Drinkwater, new signing, you know, both experienced players. Andreas Christensen, who I think we're all kind of waiting for him to um, blossom as a player at Chelsea, but very excited about him. Uh, Eden Hazard speaks for himself. Cannot wait for him to get fully fit. William, uh, who's back from international duty, you know, again, you know, wasn't quite fit enough for the entire run out. And then Mishi is your backup striker. I mean, I feel a lot better uh, about that bench than Tamori, Scott, Masanda, Kennedy, Pedro, uh, and, and Mishi again. So I, I think, you know, overall, when you look at the squad, there's only one ball to go around and there's only so many players that you can play uh not too bad those rules get in the way all the time but gary what about you i mean whether it's the lineup or you know kind of the the signings and the bench as a whole um anything stand out to you particular as we headed into uh, leicester city yeah it was interesting because um i know you were talking there about pedro and fabregas as being the inside forwards but the way that system allowed chelsea to adapt and you know, evolve throughout the game is really interesting. It's something that I've been um, you know, banging on about since about January, February time. That Conte, when he was trying to, or when he was closing games out last year, we saw Sesk being used a lot more from the bench, where he was playing a five-man midfield, where Sesk was pivoting, either dropping a bit deeper to take the ball off David Luiz, or you know, a bit further forward to thread those balls through. And that's what was happening yesterday. And I, th- I think it's really interesting moving forward now that you see Bakayoko and Kante there, these two. You know, obviously offering different things, and Bakayoko, especially, just this specimen of muscle, this bison in midfield. That you know, from the first thirty seconds, he got the ball, and um, two Leicester players were just bouncing off him. It was incredible watching, but taking that physical edge of, of Fabregas that just allows him to play football. And it wasn't Sesky's best game yesterday, but I think that as his um, partnership, or I say relationship at least with with Morata goes, I think that you'll see him being moved, you know, used a lot more where. Maybe the inside forwards, we're not going to be playing with two inside forwards as much, where I think Sessi's going to be getting a lot more game time because of his ability to, to thread those balls through. It's really interesting with that five-man midfield because Sesk wasn't an inside forward in the sense of where Chelsea lined up with um, you know, Hazard, Pedro and, and Morata or you know, Willie and Pedro and Morata. So that was the most interesting thing for me and that Chelsea started a game like that and it was similar to what they did at Spurs. Yeah, I think that keeping an eye out on that three five one one formation, or if they do the three five two, just a lot of flexing within those lineups. I think is something that Conte has been doing ever since he got here. So uh, while there's a lineup on the stat sheet, we, we know it changes all the time. Um, before we get into the goals, I just want to kind of point out if you look at the match stats, Chelsea seem to be pretty comfortable in this match with 60% possession, uh, out shooting Leicester 6 to 2 as far as on target and 8 to 16. So overall, like we're going to get into the goals right now outside of Chelsea creating the best opportunity for Leicester, right, Tebow? Um, it was overall like a very composed and, and good match, at least from my perspective. So let's go ahead and roll into the goals. Uh, Nick kicking us off in the 41st minute. That is correct. Um, you know, if you if you press replay on one of the previous uh, Cesar's Piliqueta to Murata goal combinations, you would have seen an almost identical goal here. Um, as Piliqueta kind of from the top right of the box again gets a ball, is able to cross it in, a very dangerous ball for for a lot of goalkeepers to make a decision on. And, uh, you know, luckily Schmeichel did not come out. Uh, Alvaro Morata was able to uh, head it into the uh, the bottom left corner with ease. And, you know, that's that's three goals and, and two assists and four matches for our, for our new boy. And that's, uh, that's pretty impressive overall. But uh, something... Maybe Dan, for you, uh, is is he David uh, Dave uh, Cesar Escobar Quetta, kind of the new Spanish connection? 
Yeah, you know, we saw Seth Fabregas to David Costa in previous seasons. And, you know, I think we're all ready to see, you know, as Gary was pointing out, a Seth Fabregas to Alvaro Mata connection coming forward. And, you know, we we did see a goal kind of happen between the two of them last match. But, um, yeah, this Azpilicueta cross from the, the, you know, the right-hand side into the center of the box, connecting with, uh, the the headmaster Alvaro Morata has been pretty pretty special. Uh, shout out to Dana Cheshire for his tweet saying, "No questions, just a comment." That these Aspida Morata connections are a thing of beauty. So I think we can all get on board with that, Gary. It's almost kind of funny because it has like hints of what Erickson to Deli Alley has done to us. But more importantly, I think that Morata is now showing us he offers a lot more in the air than what Costa did. Um, we have yet yeah. to see him, though, connect with his feet. <laughs> yeah, which, which is interesting. But it, it, I, I just didn't realise Barata was was this good in the air, and he's absolutely incredible. And um, I think you know, you, you look, all the headers he scored have all been different headers as well. Where the goal against Burnley, the way you know, really traditional forward play, you know, just the diagonal run off his marker and just finding that space to connect to Williams' cross. And then, you know, yesterday, with Hasbro as well, that um, it, that area of the pitch, when he gets in there, I think if he played as a right wing back, he's not, really, he's not really good at getting to the byline, whipping those balls in, in, in the way that Moses and Zappa Costa are going to be required now on the right side. And um, he's, he's almost better when he's deep putting the ball into the box because it was a different header from Maratti yesterday, but it was a very similar cross from Hasbro that he put in for... Costa against Crystal Palace last year and Costa came in and he headed it in the other direction in, you know, across the goalkeeper but very similar from Aspilicueta and you see it a lot and now you've got a striker that's capable of doing that that he's a lot taller than you expect him to be as well and coming up against Wes Morgan we, we were chatting about it um, as we were driving up there me and the guys that I went with and um, I was just relishing seeing him against Morgan because you know, Morgan's so immobile and he's just this big lump and he can't really do much. And I, but I didn't think he'd do much in the air with Morata. You know, that Morata would struggle. It'd be with the ball at his feet that you'd see some joy. But yeah, it was an incredible header and he's just so well guided. And yeah, just watching it back on match of the day when I got home, it, it, you know, it was a thing of beauty, I think. And you know, I think that you take it for granted when you see the technique and everything else that comes with it. But you know, it was a lovely ball in and. It was such a great header, and it was a goal scored at the perfect time for Chelsea. Well, speaking of fantastic goals, and uh, you know, someone who's probably going to be in the double digits this season, Dan, fiftieth minute. What do you think? <laughs> uh, you know, Fingolo Conte gets up to double digits goals. We we probably have won um, the Premier League, and then also um, you know, multiple cup competitions, and advanced significantly deep into the Champions League. So I'm all for. This amazing prediction. But yeah, <laughs> and Golo Conte just uh, pushes a ball forward. And I, I, I wouldn't really call it a shot because it was more, it bounced across the, you know, the really slick ground. Uh, Schmeichel didn't seem like he was really paying too much attention and expecting it. And by the time it, it realized it was going to be a threat on the, the goal, um, really muffed his chance to, to knock it away. And yeah, you know, I've I've jumped up for joy and couldn't believe that it had happened. And I, I know Nick did wearing his Conte jersey yesterday, but I'm sure the reaction at the ground was was a little interesting, considering that it was the former Fox who scored. Gary. Yeah, well, we we were looking at each other because Conte's um, his celebration was so muted. We were looking at each other like, has something gone wrong? Just because you're not expecting him to score, and we're thinking. You know, did, did it go in? You know, all like in a split second, and yeah, the, the Leicester fans were just stunned as well. But um, obviously, you, you see the, the celebrations from the Chelsea supporters that you know a, any goal is a good goal when it comes from a player like Kante. Just just makes it more of a collector's eye, more more special. And you know, like we were saying earlier, that I think the only person who knew he had a golden was Jose after the two he got against United last season. Um, j- just quickly on on Kante as well, um, it, it was interesting because he gets himself in those positions so often. And I think he needs to have a bit more confidence to, to have a shot because Conte, um, sorry, the manager Conte said uh, last year about him that he wants you know, a great player, but he wants to see him going forward more and you know, uh, contribute more in terms of what Chelsea offer in attack. And I think that's what he's talking about because um, there was that moment when uh, Mares had the breakaway 
uh, in the first half when Slomani should have scored, and it was Slomani who who dispossessed Kanta on the edge of the box. And in that position, he, he, he should have shot because there was a moment earlier, just about ten seconds before, that he could, it was all open up for him. He should have had a shot, and he didn't. And he he sort of dallied in possession, and then I think he learned his lesson and. You know, he scored a goal. It wasn't the best strike, but I think it goes through um, through one of the defenders' legs, which uh, you know obviously uh, you know gives a bad sight for Schmeichel and trickles in. But yeah, it was, it was a good goal. And I think it was a well-deserved goal because a player like him, you know, we talk about the defensive side of the game, but you know when you see him scoring goals, it's, it's always a pleasure. And Joe Tweeds probably had the the tweet of the day, Brandon, that I had to I had to throw out here is he said if N'Golo Conte adds twenty five yard goals to his game, it's over. Like you know he's <laughs> he becomes you know easily one of those kind of <clears throat> top level uh, midfielders that's kind of considered like a well rounded midfielder, not just like a defensive wizard. So uh, you know I <laughs> I agree with that. I mean if he, if he starts adding these, then it, it basically draws out the entire defense. Um, you know to to a player that they previously didn't consider a threat, and you know even one or two really kind of opens up more space for you know the attackers. Well, exactly. I'm glad you remember that tweet because I knew the words I couldn't associate who's to but that's it no one steps to Conte he finds himself in that space because no one thinks he's a threat from there so uh, that could definitely open up more space for the forwards in the boxes so we'll see but Nick go ahead and round this one out uh, 62nd minute um, Jamie Vardy maybe assist Thibaut Courtois question mark yeah, Brandon, uh, not not your best, <laughs> not, not Tebow's best uh, moment here. Uh, you know, I, I think Dave is actually a little bit at fault for this. Um, he let Damari Gray get around, uh, played a ball into um, Jamie Vardy. Tebow came out for it, just couldn't quite get there quick enough and fouled uh, Vardy in the box. This led to a penalty uh, in which Tebow actually got a hand on. You know, Vardy put it right down the middle. Uh, Tebow was diving to his right and got a hand on it, but alas, uh, the goal was scored and Leicester's comeback was up. No, no, that's just the last goal of the game and they lost. So that's where it was, Brandon. Thoughts and, and feelings on your goalkeeper, compadre? Nope, got what he deserved. So, I mean, can't can't be amazing all the time. And thankfully, it didn't cost us points. So looking at it from the big picture, uh, he'll be disappointed not to keep another clean sheet, but that'll be all right. Um, all right, question one, Dan. It seemed like this was a match of two halves, the first half being much more closer than the second half. So what stood out to you about why there was such a big difference? Maybe the classic Conte halftime pep talk? I mean the the, the fabled half talks of lore, the, the the crashing waves in your brain, as as Pierlo would talk about. Um, I don't know if it is necessarily that. I mean, obviously there was some some weather changes uh, in the match as well, from a sunny day to downpour back to sunny day, which was quite interesting to watch. Uh, also, a lot of uh, first time for this specific lineup where you know you really had you know it's, it's kind of Gary talked about more of the the three five uh, two you know five man midfield interaction going on which you know gave us some moments where I think they were trying to work out what was happening um, but you know we also saw the change after you know Vardy's goal kind of came in and it really became a little bit of uh, disjointed play. From you know every Chelsea player in this you know kind of the last you know fifteen twenty minutes that really you know reminded us more maybe of a, a squeaky bum moments we had at the end of the the fourteen fifteen season we were trying to eke out you know a a one one goal lead to a win versus you know acquiescing to a draw and I don't know if you felt that way you know or the feeling on the ground was uh, similar Gary in the last fifteen twenty. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I, think, I think what was really interesting um, for, from a Leicester perspective is just talking, you know, going back to the goal that they conceded with um, with Courtois on the penalty, and that Damari Gray, when he came on, was was causing a lot more problems than all Brighton did, and I think that Chelsea weren't really expecting that because Aspilicueta had all Brighton sort of wrapped up, and Damari Gray was, you know, was hunting in in pockets that you know all Brighton wasn't, and that sort of led to the goal and. Courtois was a bit flat-footed, but um, I think overall it, it was a solid, it was a solid performance, wasn't it? Really, and you just see the the, the match control from Chelsea, and that I'm not saying they let 
Leicester have the opportunities, but it was almost when they were comfortable to to almost sit back and say, okay, now's their time to come at us, and then we can. You know, they, they played a, the game in these 15 minute spells where they it ebbs and flows from from a Chelsea perspective, where they're happy to let the team have the ball in, in certain areas at times, and obviously it doesn't always work out perfectly, and it didn't yesterday. But I think overall, it was, it was a, a measured performance. Nick, it kind of seems like Chelsea, uh, with these new Conte training regimens and being able to end the half and end the match very strongly, is un- is a theme that has come back this season. Against Burnley, Chelsea scored in the 88th minute. Tottenham scored in the 88th minute. Everton, 39th. And now Leicester City, the 40th and 49th. So I guess that's on either side of halftime. But uh, it definitely seems like... The, the strong mentality from Conte has really paid off. Because even when you think of the 15-16 season, that's the time we were actually conceding as we'd be up one nothing, and then right before halftime or right after halftime, we'd give up a goal. No, that's a very good call out. I mean, I think the, you know, it's kind of a natural thing and probably not that hard to break down. But, you know, when you're running at the, at the, the pace of, you know, anybody, but particularly like an Angolo Conte or, or a Murata or something like that, you know, you, you naturally get more tired towards the end of the half. And I think where Antonio Conte's really put a focus and really, you know, I think it it literally may give him a heart attack if we if we let in a goal in the 94th minute uh, just because he's so wired is, you know, just finishing the game strong. Like your opponent's going to be just as tired as you are. You have to give that extra 10 percent and make sure that you are pushing ahead. And uh, and I think so far it's paid dividends. You think about last year, too. And all of the goals that we scored, you know, in the 40th minute on or the 85th minute on, I mean, the, the team finishes and they close out. And and I think that is that's the hallmark of a champion. That's the reason we won the league last year and, and hopefully is a reason that we go far in, uh, in other competitions this year as well. Um, kind of a random thought I just had, Gary. Do you think this has something to do with the fact that Conte is always making all three substitutions like he's always bringing players on towards the end of the match that are coming in fresh do you think that that has anything to do with it yeah i think so but um just just to go back to you know you you sort of touched upon his his mentality and his training regimes that that's so much to do with it and you know it's a sign of fitness that and you mentioned you know the 15 16 nightmare of a campaign when when Chelsea just looked undercooked for the first six weeks of that season, you know, from the moment of the Swansea game when Hazard went down and we had all the, you know, the uh, hyperbole with with uh, the, the physios and all the rest of it, that when he was down, he was catching breath because he was just absolutely knackered. You know, and I, was, I was at that game and you could see the players were tired and, and they drew and Courtois got sent off as well that game and, you know, they, they just didn't look fit. And you look at, you know, just to use the example now, because of, because it was Jose then and it's, it's Jose at United now that their first three games this season, they, they, they scored all those goals, but they scored them late in games because they've been fit. And I think that's the same with Chelsea. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Any Given Sunday, but Al Pacino gives that amazing speech about <laughs> Have we, have we seen that movie, Gary? Come yeah, on. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can just imagine. Conte as Al Pacino in the dressing room about you know inches, <laughs> and that's what it's all about with him. You know, and he's on the sideline. It's inches, 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 and then when they add all those inches up, Chelsea are going to get that goal in the 88th minute or the, the 40th minute of that half. And that, that's what yesterday's game as well actually is interesting because of the way those goals came in a 10-minute period where it was five minutes before half time, five minutes after, and essentially that's where the game's won. But it's at a time where traditionally teams are sort of. You know, they're trying to close the half out or they're trying to ease into the half again, you know, and, and Chelsea are just there, inches, 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 and, you know, boom. And, you know, I remember the, the first half that it wasn't so much disconcerting, but Leicester couldn't live with Chelsea in that first half at times where they couldn't get out of their own half. Um, but Chelsea didn't have that killer instinct. They, they eventually just ground Leicester down to get the goal. But, um, yeah, it's, I, just, I just find that with Conte, the intensity on, on the touchline that I was on the other side of the picture and, a lot of the time I'm, I'm sat behind him in the press box and you, know, you get to see him you know, up close and personal the way he behaves. So it was interesting seeing him from the other side that you could almost hear him over the fans, you know, just pointing and you know, the aggression to keeping players switched on. And I think it's interesting that, um, you know, especially in that first half that the goal came from the right-hand side, that I, I haven't got the stats to hand, but it'd be really interesting to see that when Chelsea are on the right-hand side of the pitch, 
where the dugout is, how many goals they get there, because I think Moses' performances, that they seem to ebb and flow where he's always good when Conte's on his side because he's really drilling him and putting him into position. So, yeah, I think just to go back to that, that whole analogy of any given Sunday that, you know, and Conte as a coach, that, um, yeah, just that inches idea that he's so intense and the players bring that intensity onto the pitch that allows them to, to see games over the edge, whereas Leicester maybe don't. Okay, Brandon, next podcast guest, Al Pacino. What do you think? <laughs> I think we should shoot <laughs> for it. Stone. <laughs> Either one would be great. Um, that no, that's an awesome analogy. We appreciate that. Uh, continuing to move on the uh, the bit of a praise train, right, Nick? It looked like Ingola Conte right. raised his already high level for a return to the King Power Stadium, where he obviously has a ton of good memories. He's still, you know, on a team that wears blue. Thankfully, he didn't give it away too often he seemed settled but it just seemed like he was everywhere and i mean that like as more than usual squawka put his heat map out um he had pockets all over the field and how about some of those stats you know i know you're i know you're stat man nick but even That's you can right. love those <laughs> I love how how now my my persona on the show is not stat guy. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so his stats were 100% tackles one. Tough to get more than 100%. Uh, 63 passes, three clearances, three interceptions, three chances created. What? And one goal. Okay, so when you look at this, um, hopefully we'll get Dan to throw this in our show notes. Uh, when you look at his heat map, it is not like your your typical blanket coverage from Ingolo Conte, but it is little pockets all over the field, like Brandon was saying. It's like like battleships almost on both sides. And I think where where the three man midfield um, in, in this formation allows him uh, allows him more room to kind of patrol the entire pitch instead of having to kind of be locked down on the left or right side of that midfield too. So then you see him driving forward a lot more. You see him scoring wonder goals. Um, <laughs> I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but you, you see, you know, a lot more of an int- attacking intent. And even if he's not going to be, you know, Cesc Fabregas and make the assist and make the crucial pass, he's still getting the ball into a position where he can pass it to someone who might be able to do something with it. Whereas, you know, as a part of a 3-4-3, he's a little bit more locked down in the defensive side of the the pitch. And so this is great for him. I think great for his development. Antonio Conte wants him to push forward. Yesterday, he was absolutely incredible. Uh, And I just kept watching him. And I know that we waxed poetic about him all last year. And it almost became kind of a joke. We we did our N'Golo Conte Man of the Match poll, right? And, you know, it was just kind of a running thing because he was so good. This was a spectacular performance. And probably someone that was a bit forgotten with all the transfers and all the off season doesn't talk, just gets the job done. Love this man. So, I mean, from there, Dan, I don't, I don't know where you can go, <laughs> but I'm just going to pitch it over to you. Well, I, and I think, you know, he is a beneficiary of the addition of Bakayoko, who I think was, you know, is still, knocking some of that rust off and still is putting himself in a position to develop some fitness and, and to work his way into, you know, uh, Conte's scheme. But the two of them together with Sesk was something a, a little magical. Uh, and not just because, you know, Sesk is the magic cat, but I, I think Bakayoko with some of his forward marauding runs that he kind of put together and his ability to, to flick players off, you know, Eden doing the Koscielny uh, or Coughlin fidget spinner. You know, and that, <laughs> that was, that was a momentary bit of wonder and I very hard to potentially replicate again, but Bakayoko is the guy you're going to see people clinging to and, and he's going to shrug them off. Uh, you know, incredible frame, uh, you know, great, you know, intelligence with his forward movement uh, ability to kind of, you know, distribute well with a forward pass. And I, I think, I'm excited about not just what, you know, how Conte will develop as a player, but how Bakayoko next to him and Sesk will continue to work together or potentially, you know, drink water when, you know, maybe, you know, for rotation with Sesk and and to see what we're able to do with this midfield grouping. uh, Now that we've finished the summer signings, now that we've gotten a chance to start to work on the fitness of all these players and, and to put them into, you know, a formation that, you know, uh, you know, Conte is going to favor. 
Gary, obviously it's a little bit different just watch him as a fan from the away section, but I mean, anything different? How do he look to you? I, the one thing that surprises me is always that he can come up with some like holding people off, like his strength for how short he is and small in stature. Yeah, it's really funny actually because um, we saw uh, Bakayoko and, and Kante warming up together before the game, and I, I just made a joke. I said, oh, Look at that mascot warming up with Bakayoko because he's tiny. <laughs> he is tiny next to Bakayoko as well. And, you know, Dan stole a bit of my thunder, really, because I wanted to come in and talk about Bakayoko because, um, you know, I, I, I'm not buying this about Matic, that it's the worst sign, uh, the worst bit of business Chelsea have done allowing him to go because, you know, I, I've sat with journalists that are writing stuff now about Matic as if he's this, you know, um, this saviour who's going to sweep into Old Trafford and give them everything they've needed and last the year the before, signing. Yeah, yeah last year they were just absolutely knives out with Matic and I, I don't know what it is that suddenly he's in red and now he's golden you know and don't get me wrong I, I think Matic is a good player but seeing Bakayoko and it's the first time I've seen him in the flesh yesterday because it was my first game of the season altogether as well that him and Kante together, they, they've got that physicality, they've got the know-how, but Bakayoko, there's something about a midfielder or any player that traps the ball with the sole of his foot. And he, the ball was coming into him all the time, and it, it weren't side foot or with laces, foot was up, stopping, you know, trapping the ball with the sole of his foot. And to me, that just speaks about a, a footballer. You know, as, as much as he's a physical specimen, he's a footballer. And I think those two together, the understanding they're going to develop, I think it's going to be... Um, curtains for a lot of teams coming up against them well i am excited to kind of see as he continues to develop if we miss anything do you think that uh conte is crushing make sure to get in touch with us but let's go ahead and continue to move on to alvaro morata he just can't stop he can't seem to stop scoring no matter who he's playing for since August. Marata has three goals and two assists in uh, three starts and a substitute appearance for Chelsea. Uh, for Spain, he's got three in his last two. That is a nice little beneficiary playing Liechtenstein in the World Cup qualifiers. But after Great missing... squad there, Brandon. There. Liechtenstein is just tremendous. <laughs> they uh, definitely took the wrath of a Spain team who's in form, losing 8 nothing. Um, but after missing his penalty in the community shield, Dan, do you think that Morata is coming good on the people that have been tipping him to be a success as a full-time starter at a big club? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think he is, you know, he's a big guy. I, I think as he, once he starts to really kind of use some of that physicality sometimes uh, in the way that, you know, I think Costa did and, and Frankly, sometimes you miss, um, you know, you, you think about the good times, not all the bad. And but Murata, you know, has those intelligent runs that he is kind of placing through. And I, I don't know, I, I'm just having a lot of fun watching him as a striker. And I think, you know, he's going to be a really, really big joy to watch. I know you have a bunch of stats down here, which is like Nick's favorite thing oh, to talk about. I love them. Um, it looks like it's comparing Lukaku and Murata head to head. Well, I mean, you have to do it, right? That was the big talking point all summer was these guys. So, like, as much as we didn't want to do it, like, you, you have to. Can, can it just be that they're both really exceptionally talented strikers who are both, you know, comfortable playing at the Premier, Le you know, Premier League level for top sides? No, no there, okay. there's a big difference. <laughs> there is a big difference between Murata and Lukaku. Lukaku's rubbish. There's the oh. <laughs> Uh, wow. Also, the price tag too. The price tag was another difference. <laughs> I did not I, I see just that coming. He's just such a, he's just a, such a, a lummox, you know. Like he, even watching the Stoke <laughs> game yesterday, that there was that. It was late on, and the ball came in the box, and Lukaku just st stuck a, a big leg out that put the ball over the bar, and he's just there's no finesse to his game. And I think that United haven't played anyone yet. You know, when they play good teams, Lukaku's not going to get a sniff. You know, I know he scored a couple of goals against Chelsea in the FA Cup, uh, not last season, the season before, when you know things were just you know uh, hitting the fan, you know, constantly. But he's never done it against the big teams properly, and I, I can't see him doing it still. There's no finesse to his game. Whereas Morata, you see him, and he's just. I think Chelsea have dodged the you know dodged the bullet with with getting Morata in instead of Lukaku. I, 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 the stats might be similar, but I think in the terms of the overall package, the way that Chelsea want to play football, Morata's much more suited to that. 
I think a lot of fans were uh, quite happy that we ended up with Morata. I know there's a lot of anger right away when Lukaku chose United, but as it stands, Morata has... Uh, in 277 minutes versus Lukaku's 360, he has three goals. Lukaku has four. Uh, Murata has two assists to Lukaku zero. Uh, using Squawka's attack score, they are essentially even edge to Murata. When it comes to shot accuracy, something that I felt was important for forwards, uh, 71% accuracy to Murata, 64 to Lukaku. I think, Gary, that kind of talks about your finesse and maybe composure. Uh, and then another kind of random one was aerial duels one, right? Lukaku's a big guy. You thought that might be a strength for him. Uh, but Murata, his 154.5% to Lukaku's four. 44.7%. Again, I'm just throwing these out there because it's interesting to see. The other thing I'd say is if you compare Chelsea to United's first four matches, I think you would say that United's had a much easier run as well. Um, I mean, especially Morata coming in against Burnley, getting a goal and assist as we're already down a player, then eventually down two players. Uh, much, much different circumstances as well. Uh, essentially, I'm just trying to put this out there. I'd love to hear your guys' feedback. If, uh, you know, we're all convinced by Marata, I think overall, majority of us would. Uh, Nick, do you have any disagreement as um, if Marata is, you know, you have confidence in him in the long run right now? Hell yeah, I do. Uh, you know, again, I think we've talked about this. We are used to Diego Costa, Didier Drogba, physical beatdown, you know, exceptional strikers, both of them, but they are just different stylistically than what Murata is. And I think Murata will be a lot more cloak and dagger. He will be a little bit more passive in some of the things that we're used to seeing, you know, Didier and, and uh, Diego being more active in, which is kind of like bullying the center backs and things like that. I think that Harry Maguire actually had a really solid start against Murata, you know, just in terms of bullying him off the ball and, and things like that. And we know that's not where Murata does his bidding. But the thing that you did see yesterday against Leicester specifically is that when, when Sesk made that early chip pass over the top, Marata started that run three yards off of a center back and they didn't even see it coming. Uh, and that is where I think he's going to get some easy, easy goals this year because his runs are timed so perfectly that he doesn't need to bully a center back at that point. He just needs to glide past them and they can turn their heads and watch the ball go in the back of the net. So it will be a, it will be a bit of, uh, of an, uh, an acclimation period to fans getting used to his style, but his style will get us more goals guaranteed. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kind of uh, wrap this one up a little bit. I want to see if there's any other thoughts around the circle before we move on to social media questions. So, uh, Dan, anything else that uh, you want to touch on from this match? Yeah, I, uh, really just exceptional form from uh, Harry Maguire when he was called in the goal in the box. Um, you know, the way he used his hands to uh, take care of the ball was exceptional and uh, I didn't realize he played two different positions so that, that was uh, that was a learn for me oh man yeah we got screwed on some refereeing decisions yesterday too my god I promise we'll talk about that in the next part we got plenty of questions about that uh, Gary anything else that uh, you want to bring up from this match that stood out it was just quickly actually just while um, you're talking about the the Maratta run where Seth put the ball over. I think that he made that run so late as well because he wasn't expecting it. He wanted the ball to his feet and then Seth wanted to put it over the top. And I think once they get that understanding, that's it. You know, you're going to yeah. see that so much more where he's going to be even closer on the shoulder, you know, turning. And it'll be almost what Torres should have been when Chelsea signed him in, in 2011. Right. I agree with that. Good point. All right, Nick, over to you. Oh, man. Is it time for the... No, the weekly. No, wait, not what? quite. I just want to see if you had any other thoughts on the match. Quick. No. Yeah. Do you got no, time? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. We're no. I, yeah. I, I think I think generally we were dominant yesterday. It was a shame that finishing uh, was not where it should have been. Um, you know, you could have easily seen a four one scoreline in that game without too much of a, a question. And I think that it's uh, it's pretty difficult to. Uh, to you know, bury teams. You know, if you're if you're finishing is off. So hopefully, uh, 
Willian and co get it together and are able to push through. All right. Well, last thing from me is I do want to give shout outs to the people with the proper score prediction from this match. So essentially um, from Facebook, Ugo, Manucho, Hillary, Agrippa, Sarab, and Ayoji, and on Twitter at JPG174907. So with all of you, shout out to that being correct. If you want, just let us know your score prediction next time. But Nick, man of the match poll time, go for it. Man of the match poll, uh, weekly N'Golo Conte, man of the match poll, um, N'Golo Conte wins 61%, spoiler alert, uh, Maratta 27%, uh, Dave at 11% with that assist, and Mark Salonzo at 1%. You can always put Rudiger in there, you can always you know, put David Luiz in there. I think, you know, overall, just a very, very strong team performance. Um, Bakayoko could have been in there as well. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, not too much of a of a question on that one. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up with uh, the table as it stands. United in first, City second, Chelsea third, and no surprise, Watford in fourth. Uh, That's right, no surprise. <laughs> um, and then as we no do, no surprise to Marco Silva at least. Oof. Absolutely. Um, and then I think the the rest of the rival watches Tottenham in fifth, Liverpool down to eighth, Arsenal up. To 11th. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up section one and we'll be back with your social media questions. Here we go. Hey, Dan, uh, where could you find content from our friends at World Soccer Shop on the social medias? Yeah, they've got some great pages on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and it's all at World Soccer Shop. Uh, and some of the accounts uh, might be without the O. So, uh, you know, just got to keep an eye out for those. But they'll all have a blue little tick and check mark. Right. It'll all be verified. It'll all be good content. Go to worldsoccershop.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Boom. All right. Time for your social media questions. As always, thank you all for sending them in. Uh, I wish we had time to do them all, but we just got too many. So kicking us off uh, at Nate Hoffman three on Twitter says, what do you think will be the will be better going forward? The new three man midfield with Bakayoko Kante Fabregas or the old front three of Hazard, Marata and <laughs> they put right winger because it essentially switches between Pedro and William. Um, I don't know, Gary, I guess. Uh, what do you think? I think against Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester City, the the three four three with Hazard, Morata, and Pedro or Willian. But I think against the giants of Old Trafford, I don't say that because I'm in awe of them. I say it because Jose's just got all his seven foot plus players in midfield that I think that <laughs> matching them like for like physically, I think that's when you want to see that five man midfield because having Bakayoko and Kante to really scrap and you know really get in there and get in the faces of players like. Um, Fellaini and uh, Herrera, you know, these guys that try to be physical, um, that are dirty players. I, I, I say that with respect as well, because I think that, you know, that that's what Chelsea have had. They've had that bite at times and they've been, you know, uh, you know, when you think about having Essien, Lampard and Makaleli and Mikel to a, to a lesser degree, I think that Chelsea need to match that. And that's what I really like about this, this midfield now, that it might not be a midfield of the players that everyone wanted to sign for FIFA 18, but for reality throwing drink water in there as well Chelsea have got a midfield that offers different options at different times for different opponents and I think they can really you know match teams physically now and they can match teams with a bit of finesse as well so I think against Arsenal this weekend I think you don't need to have that three man midfield in there you, you can have um, Bakayoko and Kante or Kante and Sesk or you know drink water maybe and have those three players but against teams like United you're really going to have to scrap it out and I think that by having those three men in there it, it sort of you know, goes like for like and you know, having Fabregas in there as, as the player that, that links that brawn with the, the, uh, the style I think that will be uh, effective Nick, I know that Reed Shoop on Twitter at Shoopy3 and on Instagram MCK.FC they're asking about Hazard coming back into the fold do you think Hazard will essentially replace uh, Pedro who you know kind of was the the other attacker above Fabregas or again do you think Bakayoko will get pulled out which I don't know about that one because I feel like him and Conte are kind of the new partnership yeah yeah I would I would say that Sask would be the um, the casualty then um 
it just depends, right? Like I think what we're seeing is a trend of playing the the three five two on the road. It's a little bit more defensively solid, and it really allows us to boss the midfield. Uh, I think at home where we can be a little bit more silky, I think you'll probably see a three four three, and you, you might just see that kind of back and forth going forward. But I also see Gary's point about you know teams that are kind of light in the midfield. We can we can still throw Bakayoko and Conte in the midfield and you know dominate and and let Ed and uh, Willian or Pedro do their thing uh, with Murata. So it's just scenario dependent. Uh, Dan from uh, Q underscore SB fleet on Instagram says, do you think that our Spaniards will win us the league? I felt like the last two title lifts, they played a big part. I, I think if we win the league, it, it's going to be mostly uh, from our Spaniards with a little uh, dash of, uh, of Belgian flavor. Oh, don't forget the French. The French yeah, contingent is is alive yeah. and well. It's, it's, it's true. They, I mean, we're we're talking about uh, quite the uh, international experience, and uh, you know, with, with our you know wonderful Brazilians, and you know, I mean, it's it's all team. It's going to take all you know members of the squad to pull together. But I, I think you know, if Murata can get in the you know, 15 to 20 goal range. If Hazard can be back in that 15 range again, too, uh, I think there's no, you know, no reason to think we won't be in the, the top three at the end of the season challenging for a title. Well, and you can't forget about Dave in the back. So for me, like you literally have Spaniards starting at every level of the field. So just by default, yes, they will have a huge part to play. Um, let's see, uh, Gary over from Instagram, Nadia, uh, HN4 says, where's our clinical corners with Cahill um, heading in John Terry? Obviously, Terry being gone. And then they asked why we played the ball back in short on corners. I thought that was really unique that that isn't something we'd really seen from Chelsea playing almost a short corner to the top of the box. Yeah, I think a lot of that is to do with the, it's something that doesn't get spoken about, but a lot of it, the, um, they don't have a lot of pitch around the side, you know, a lot of turf around it. So, the players are on like artificial pitches or they're on plastic as they're running back onto the grass. So they can't get a good run up to whip the ball in where you'll find that for Sesk, he'll take a better corner when he's whipping it out rather than whipping it in because he's running down the touchline to get his run up to hit the ball. Because when you're hitting the ball from dead, you know, from a dead ball situation, you can't get under it. So I think some of it has to do with that, where they know they can't get the whip on the ball and the height on the ball. But in terms of, yeah, so I think it's a tactic, you know, just to basically give some use to the corner. But I like mixing it up anyway. I think it's lazy if teams are just going to be pumping the ball into the box because it's a set piece and set pieces are what control matches at times. And when you've got a goalkeeper and defenders that have worked on it all week, you know, you're playing right into their hands because you think you're in a position of strength, but they've been practicing. They've watched your corners and they, they know where the ball's coming and they're, they're going to be clearing it out. But I think in terms of where the, you know, the dominant aerial presence is, Obviously, Cahill's been suspended this season, um, and he's got a real fire in his hands now to get back in that team, which I don't think he will immediately. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily negative either, though. That there's not a John Terry in there that's going to be charging, you know, charging the ball to score because I think there's other players that can offer different things from corners. I think if Chelsea are going to be trying to use set pieces a bit more with a bit more imagination, I think that's only a good thing. And I do think that Conte has uh, done a little bit more in terms of free kicks and, and corners and set pieces. They're not just dumping it into the box. They've definitely tried to do some combinations and some different things to catch teams off guard. Uh, but, Gary, you did roll us right into at and Nathan Allen 20's question from Twitter saying, do you think Rudiger should replace Cahill? Cahill is now available after today's match. So I'm going to go ahead and pitch it over to you, Dan, and then we'll hit it up with Nick. Um, I think he could start for our midweek game. So Rudiger would be available for our match against Arsenal. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that, again, it's all meritocracy. You know, if Cahill trains better, then he plays. If Rudiger trains better, then he plays. I mean, I will say that for Rudiger, he has been tremendous uh, in the four matches that we've seen him in the Premier League. Uh, I think that... You know, he does bring an, uh, an essence of kind of calm to the to the back line. Uh, and I also think that his aerial defending is something that 
Uh, you know, I was I was chatting with some of the guys down at the uh, the Dubliner yesterday with, you know, kind of Dave's height always being an issue um, that Rudiger does add that extra steal uh, uh, for aerial balls. So very, uh, very excited about him. But look, you know, Cahill's still the captain and I am I'm never I'm not going to give up on Cahill because he's been suspended for three matches. I think that's a little short sighted. Well, sorry, one thing I'd say about the Cahill situation is that Conte's got previous in this in that John Terry got injured he injured his ankle against Swansea last season and then we didn't see him you know because that, that gave Conte um, license to bring David Luiz in who had just signed back from Paris Saint-Germain and then um, yeah JT just couldn't get into the team because by the time he was fit and ready it was a winning side and he doesn't like breaking up winning teams and winning defences and I think you start looking at this Chelsea side now Cahill was more than capable of stepping back into that but how do you tell Rudiger that you've just come into this side that in the uh, the three games you've played we've conceded two goals and one of them was a, a penalty and an own goal um, you know for, against Spurs and uh, Leicester with the clean sheet against Everton I think it'd be foolish to change it in the league I think you know um, Dan makes the point that you've got the midweek game there against Carabag where you know you can come back but for him unfortunately as much as I'd you know, love him as a player and a person. He, he got suspended at the wrong time, and other players have come in and and you know they, they've taken an opportunity. But you know that's elite football, isn't it? That, that's what happens. So I think he's got a real fight in his hands. And I think looking at Conte's you know um, decisions last season, I think um, he's got previous in that area, and I don't think he's going to change it. Well, that'll be really interesting to see what happens. You know, kind of as you guys mentioned, big week ahead with Champions League midweek before Arsenal at the weekend. Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap up this section. That also means this is going to wrap up our time with Gary. So I want to take a moment to say thank you. It was great having you back on the podcast as always. And again, remember, everyone, go follow him mainly on Twitter, Instagram, if you're rowdy and, and show him some love. So again, Gary, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I just wanted to say one thing to Dan, actually. I don't mean to make light of this hurricane, but um, maybe you're going to realise what it's like being Arsene Wenger. <laughs> oh, the storm, the storm is coming. <laughs> <laughs> you just haven't got um, Arsenal fan TV on your back. Uh, I think the, the the bands could be cronky. The uh, the rain could be uh, Robbie and his boys. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and the eye of the storm will be Sanchez and his contract. Oof. Well, again, again, thank you so much, Gary. We will let you go. Uh, but everyone else, stick with us because after this quick break, we're going to be back with a look ahead at Champions League and a little rival watch. Here we go. Hey, Nick, with the Champions League schedule released with you know plans needing to be made, I, I believe what you're telling me um, is that we're about to see some trips come out from XL Tours for our fans to get over and take part in those matches. That's right. Uh, we've had some very productive talks uh, with the friends at XL Tours. Um, they are putting together a couple of packages as we speak um, for, you know, I think what would be kind of the, the fall and the spring. So you'll have a couple of opportunities to look at possibly going to London with us uh, and enjoying your time uh, with your favorite podcast uh, while you're there. And so look for an announcement in the next week or so. We should have a couple of different options to look at. There will be payment plan options. There be a bunch of different stuff that we didn't uh quite have together from from last year and uh yeah and so we're really excited about this i mean it does you know our trip last time was so incredible i mean it's such an amazing time meeting everybody that we cannot wait to do it again and uh and yeah that's what we got so stay tuned all right so in part three uh we've started to do this little thing called the rival watch mainly because we think that with as tight as the race for the premier league title is that we should really kind of keep our head up about what else is going around chelsea so as we said we want to talk about the traditional top six but hey if arsenal continue to sit in the basement and someone else jumps in i think that we could totally um you know switch them out so again real quick i think each of us are just going to run through each team real quick see where we're at and then we'll move on to the carabag preview so i'll kick it off with manchester united who are in first place uh they had a pretty easy start to the season they just dropped uh their first points away at stoke this weekend and uh, jose didn't leave that post-match press conference in a very happy mood but hey we've all seen that before so nick 
What is going on at the other side of Manchester? Oh boy, uh, and this will kind of cover. Maybe maybe Dan can get onto the Liverpool side of this, but uh, Manchester City. Uh, I think uh, did the business this weekend against Liverpool. Uh, they were dominant. I mean, very early red card for Sadio Mane from Liverpool. That kind of changed the game. But um, I think overall, Manchester City looked pretty imperious. They were all over the place. Um, it's nice to be able to bring Leroy Sané off of the bench and uh, and have him as a resource <laughs> to use too. Um, but they very much are looking strong right now. A lot of questions still about their defense. But uh, but Dan, nothing nothing nearly as bad as what Liverpool just suffered. Yeah, Liverpool in seventh place. We'll skip Tottenham for for a moment here. And yeah, uh, Sadio Mane now out for three games after uh, the you know Manchester City sacrifice of Ederson's face for a win um, came to fruition. But wow, it's it's just, you know. So much firepower and attack going forward. Uh, Mo Salah, Sané, um, Firmino, and you know, you know, signed up Nabi Kitia for next season. So you know, only even more powerful they're going to become. Uh, it's like the Death Star, though. You know, as powerful of a weapon as it is, and as planetary destroying as it can be, uh, they left a, a structure in the back called their defense and mm. allowed it to be uh, exploited by the resistance fighters and uh, blown up as people fly away in their X Wings and Millennium Falcon. The crazy thing is, you even forgot to mention Coutinho, which a lot of us have forgotten about, but he will come back, which will only make their attack stronger. It's like the guy who lifts only his upper body neck in the gym and forgets to hit the squat rack. That's true. Um, wouldn't know anything about that, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a conundrum because you know I was talking to a fan uh, of, of Liverpool yesterday, and essentially they're going to plan to slot Coutinho back into the to central midfield, you know, the Oxlade Chamberlain position. So uh, I think uh, I think they're just going to have a weird year. Uh, you know, they are. They can be imperious at times on, a, on in attack, um, and they can look like absolute dog shit at the back in the same match. So it's it's going to be very interesting. They are going to entertain, but maybe not uh, progress. All right, so Tottenham, who are in fifth place, still can't seem to win at Wembley, but hey, they made Everton look pretty average this weekend. So the way it stands with Tottenham is they just really haven't hit their full stride yet, but they're still hanging around the top, which is what you would expect. Uh, well, and it is September, and Harry Kane now is allowed to score goals again, and oh, it yeah. is 100th and 101st goal for Spurs, so he has uh, quickly uh, found his rhythm, Ben Davies, with uh, an assist for him, too, so they're they're starting to you know integrate their summer signings in, and you know, I think they'll, uh, they'll be back at some point to put the pressure on to other teams who will eventually win the league, and not them. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, Nick, go ahead and round us out with Arsenal. Or should we do Huddersfield Town instead? I'd rather do it. Right? Top four? Yeah. Yeah. Like either one of those over Arsenal. I mean, yeah, they beat Bournemouth, but Bournemouth's really going to struggle this year. Um, Wenger out. Sure. Whatever. Uh, I will say that Huddersfield Town and Watford um, are very interesting uh, teams to watch. Huddersfield Town playing a lot more of a defensive style, just trying not to give up goals. Uh, Watford is, I think, a little bit more attack-minded than I than I had originally anticipated, Dan, but Marco Silva is still the real deal uh, as a manager. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, kind of, you know, interesting, you know, people kind of contributing to the goals. Uh, you know, Jan Mott kind of came in the second half to, to add one in this most recent match. But uh, Richarlson, their uh, Richarlson, their new signing this summer has uh, you know contributed a fair amount of shots too. So it's going to be a interesting couple of weeks here to see how the table starts to form and if there's any kind of separation into what a uh, you know a top five or six actually is going to start to look like. I mean Burnley, even with the win today, uh, already at seven points for the season. So 33 more for safety, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of a busy time ahead and seeing how the table shakes out, that is because Champions League and EFL Cup are back this month. Chelsea's next match is going to be against Karabag. 
in the Champions League. It is back, something that we have all been waiting for for way too long. We'll be opening up the competition at Stamford Bridge this coming Tuesday, September 12th. Uh, guys, obviously, we don't know anything about Carabag. It's not that big of a deal, but Nick, they did knock out a team, or they beat a team called Sheriff, which literally has a sheriff's badge as their logo and even FC Copenhagen on their way. So a bit of a kind of underdog story here, uh, a bit of a feel good, but even if we rotate some players fully expect three points, right? Absolutely. Uh, this should be, you know, uh, the home opener. We need to, we need to really go out and do the business early, get it knocked out. Maybe, maybe throw Musanda on, maybe throw some of our, our lesser um, talked about talent on uh, because we're up four nil. Um, Karabag is, you know, it's a great story. I mean, they, they're Azerbaijani football club. If you didn't know that they are, um, you know, really like we, we just know from what we, we have read online kind of about their scouting report, but they play, you know, more of a, a Spanish style tiki taka than, you know, long balls, things like that. But realistically, this is a team we should beat and beat well. And, and Dan, there's really not a ton more to say, um, then, you know, let's go get these three points because we have a tough group. Yeah, and, and you know, I think some of that rotation is, is really going to come as a result of the fact that when you look ahead to the weekend, you know, we are going to go up against Arsenal. And, you know, they've uh, done a number on us past the times we've played them. And I'm sure, you know, whether it's said or unsaid, Conte in the back of his mind is going to want to extract revenge and to make sure that we... Uh, just dominate them when we get a chance to play them uh, in the upcoming weekend. Absolutely. And the good news about these are both home matches against Karabag midweek and then Arsenal at home. So uh, I think there's going to be some lineup changes. That's what I'm most uh, looking forward to is seeing how Conte starts to rotate this team or if he doesn't quite yet. Um, but let us know what you guys think about this. Obviously, so much going on. We're going to cover all of it this season because it is going to be fantastic, Chelsea fans. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you for listening. And as always, Chelsea fans, until next time, which is Champions League, keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us.